The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, two new real Corvette models, the Stellantis Manifestos, no real window, no problem, plus special guests Randy and Kevin Red from Concept One Pulley Systems. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery right now with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Timothy Pasquale, a poster of the stars. Tim, how are you doing? I'm fine, Bud. You sure? <laughs> yeah. You still moving? Still unpacking boxes and mowing, and uh, I was busy building uh, chicken nest boxes because my wife bought some more chickens. Oh, good. So, you know, we're the farm is the farm. We're learning how to do all this, although uh, I may have stated this before, uh, according to the FDA, I am uh, a homesteader, not a farmer, because you got to have 400 acres to be a farmer. And how many chickens? Do they go by the chickens? Or? No, they don't go by the chickens. They go by the acreage. Oh. So I'm a, uh, you know, to my neighbors, I'm a just another Homes- Yankee, oh. Yankee homesteader. A homesteader. All I would have to do to make it worse is get some sheep. <laughs> yeah. He's raising sheep over there. Oh, good. By the way, to Mr. Haney called the check bounced. <laughs> Homesteader grappling <laughs> Tim DePasquale, upholster to the stars. <laughs> well, you have got a story right now about Stellantis Manifestos. That sounds like yes. a, a new car. <laughs> well, that's what they're calling Manifestos. They're, they've come up with their concept vehicles for the uh, Ram 1500 Revolution. And that concept vehicle, well, you remember Oh, yeah, the, yeah, that's pretty cool. It was, well, that was never meant to be a production vehicle. Ah, but... but they say with these manifestos that that there's a time when the when a manifesto piece is necessary to establish a new direction for the brand. That's right. And they say that there, well, there's no way that you could put all of these features into uh, an actual production vehicle because no one could afford it. It's not that it couldn't be done. It's just that no one could afford it. So you you set the concept out there and let people look at it and then you get feedback on which what of they the like features yeah, which are the most say. important which ones would be best used on a production vehicle. because this this truck when we were talking about it i don't know a month or two ago mm-hmm. you know this has got this has got the capability of being a three-row vehicle You're right and the cab and everything is just way cool looking it, so yeah and, and it's open from the tailgate all the way to the grill well, it doesn't need a grill because it's got a frunk. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you could actually put long pieces from the tailgate all the way up to the front of the truck. So if you have that's like, like that uh, Bollinger truck, except right, it's a little more sophisticated right. than that. <laughs> well, it's it's this is a you know this is a, a cool looking vehicle, but yeah, they're turning a lot of this stuff into uh, uh, taking the feedback they're getting. You know, like the uh, Chrysler Airflow, the mm-hmm. Dodge Charger Daytona, and the SRT Banshee. That is one name that I do hope that they bring back the airflow. Yeah, I just think that neat. was a neat that, name neat, for yeah. a vehicle. And it was never produced, uh, so it was always a concept vehicle. Well, the airflow was produced. Was it produced? Mm-hmm. What back was it? The the Chrysler, was it the Chrysler, Chrysler airflow? Chrysler airflow. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. right. 
right? That was the one that they actually have a video that it drove off of a cliff. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then it landed, you know, down on the ground, and they rolled it back over and, and drove it away. Cool. Wow. All right. But, you know, there you go. That's Chrysler <laughs> for you. Well, Polestar, which is a Volvo uh, brand, um, electric yeah. vehicle. Right. Produced uh, in China. Well, yeah. Uh, eventually, it's going to be produced in South Carolina in 2024, they say. Mm, but uh, Right. We'll see it, how that goes. It, it does not have a rear window. Right. I right. don't think that's a huge deal. I, it's not a deal breaker. You, you know, the, the calmest I've ever been with traffic closing in close behind me mm-hmm. is in a box truck or a tractor trailer or a vehicle that's piled high with stuff in the you back can't where, see it. where you can't see it because then it doesn't bother you. What is more uh, troubling to me is these panoramic roofs that's all glass roof up to that uh, no rear window. Well, so. well yeah, <laughs> because you, you tell us the horror stories about glass roofs and about things like that. About yeah, replacing yeah, yeah, them, yeah, which yeah. we do every week. So, well. But that's a whole other thing. But it, it does make more sense to me to remove mirrors from all these vehicles and replace them with cameras where you could actually see yeah and this car the picture of this car actually shows rear view mirrors you know hanging on the side of it Mm -hmm. but i think this is a step towards just eliminating mirrors altogether and then you have you know then you have uh Better gas mileage and stuff because you oh, have less yeah. drag and, and right. all that and kind of stuff. And so. when you knock the mirror off the side, but it's still hanging on by the wire, it just doesn't <laughs> look good going down the road. <laughs> you, you think not. Oh, well, <laughs> what can I say? Well, you know, I was uh, backing Edgar the Excursion into the shop one day with a trailer. And well, as I'm backing at a critical point and it's dark inside and it's light outside and my wife asked me a question and I'm thinking to myself, I can answer her question and continue to back up no, at the no, same time. Can't. And I knock the mirror off. Yeah, yeah there so you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we talked about an SUV <clears throat> Corvette that was coming out. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, you know, that, that to me, we're not going to call it a Corvette. It's okay. going to be a whatever SUV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now uh, Corvette has got two new models coming out. We're talking about the Zora and the ZR1 Corvette. The ZR1 is going to be uh, a racetrack animal. Yeah. It is going to be a twin turbocharged flat plane crank engine. And uh, then we're going to take it one step further and take that engine and put an electric motor in the front. And that is going to become the Zora. And that'll have a thousand horsepower yeah. and all-wheel drive. Can you imagine? Do Do you remember who? Uh, do you remember Zora Duntov? He was yeah, the guy that brought the, the Corvette out of the dark ages. So right. this this is going to be really cool. And I just you know, like I say, I'm I'm glad they're coming out with some real Corvettes uh, in lieu of the SUV. Okay, but you've got to get over I, I know, it. You I know, know, just I know. like the the I know. Mach-E. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. what do I we know. care what they call it? I, just, you're right. Just you're, in, enjoy the ride. It's, it's just me. I know. I know. You, you know, you old guys. Ah, <laughs> us old guys. Uh, <laughs> if you have ever restored a classic muscle car, and I've done many classic muscle cars, you know, sometimes you can take pictures when you're taking it apart, and you can do all these things, and and. You still get stuck when you put it back together because sometimes it's six months or a year before you actually get back to reassembling the car. Uh, We all know to take it apart and put everything in baggies and that type of thing, but sometimes it's a matter of what goes where in what sequence. And if you need some knowledge about your project, go to year1.com 
and look at their manuals that they have. They have these repair manuals for cars, assembly manuals. I'm, I'm working on a 73 Mustang Mach 1 right now, and I've got five or six manuals for it. And they, they cover different parts of the car. So as you're doing the interior, you've got one manual. As you're doing the body, you've got other, another manual. And they're, and they're great references, uh, just in case you forget where everything went. <laughs> and if you've got a 67 to 72 Chevrolet or GMC truck, you can now get uh, new cab supports, front cab supports, a left and a right from year one. And don't forget wipers. A lot of times when we're taking vehicles apart, we throw the bulbs and stuff into a box and you take the wipers off, you throw them in a box and you, you forget about, you know, getting the correct ones. Year one now has the satin finished metal wipers that used to be on our older cars with the correct inserts in them. And they just look great on a car, and it's a kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, if you will, on a car that you've restored. So check out all that stuff at yearone.com. Did you know, and I, I didn't realize this, you know, we talk about a lot of EVs every week on the show. Mm-hmm. Did you know that uh, Toyota offers only one EV on the market right now? Right. And I, I just thought this was amazing, and they're taking a whole different slant on this, no mm-hmm. pun intended. Uh, and they're taking a whole different look at this and the because EV thing. They're very practical and they're very. And, and this statement kind of sums it all up. Uh, it, they expect to still be making cars powered by a ter- internal combustion through 2050, and they argue that using a 100 kilowatt hour battery to make s- six plug-in hybrids or 90 regular hybrids instead of one EV results in a greater reduction of carbon dioxide. It makes sense. Well, the yeah, more people can afford them, yep. you're cutting your emissions in half, you're doubling your mileage. What's not to love about that? Well, this, is, this started with the, the original, um, he's not the original founder, but the head of Toyota, and that was Akio a, a Toyoda. Toyota. Yeah. He was the great grandson of the founder or grandson, great grandson. One of the two. One of the two, right. But, you know, he got them through all the different uh, challenges that they had. You know, the mm-hmm. COVID thing, the tsunami thing, the, the plants being destroyed, and, you know, uh, the earthquake. And, uh, you know, all that went on, he got them through all of this. All of this. And, uh, you know, now they've handed the reigns over to Koji Sato. Thank you. Yes, 53-year-old engineer who's been with the company for a long time because after Mr. Toyoda, uh, as a spokesman for a silent majority of people in the auto industry who questioned the single-minded focus of EVs, he was kind of pushed out as uh, old-style thinking. So he said, I personally feel that I belong to the older generation. And when it comes to digitalization and electrification and connectivity, I need to pass it on to younger generation. Yeah, it was interesting. At the same time, though, he was out racing a fuel cell uh, race car under a fake name. Right. So he's old school, but he's also... It's He's be- also a car guy. It's because of him that Toyota has a few performance models like the Corolla GR and 
uh, what is that, the uh, Supra? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know which, which one you mean. Yeah. And the the other one that they make with uh, Subaru. The, oh, the, the uh, BRZ? Yeah, the BRZ, the, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that they're actually going to have combustion engines using hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know, where's Japan? It's surrounded by water. There you go. And where do you get the best hydrogen, they say, is from the ocean. Well, we're kind of surrounded on three sides by water. Yeah. Why can't we do the same kind of thing? Well, why can't we? Well, because we're we're not seeing the forest for the trees. That's right. And well, it's a good thing that you and I aren't in charge, or maybe it's too bad we're not in charge. We could buy golly make some changes well you know by golly i i went through the changes back in the 70s working at the dealership Mm -hmm. you know we had the epa come come out and put all these band-aids on cars you know air pumps and all this other crap and and if they had just i I guess it inspired the epa inspired the the uh, car manufacturers to get ahead of the game Mm -hmm. now the epa wants to you know clamp down on the uh the manufacturers to the point where they're they're strangling them right um but you know we went from carburetors to fuel injection and that took care of the emissions and then we went to a different kind of fuel injection and that cleaned them up even more and so the technology got us there it wasn't you know it wasn't the band-aids it Mm -hmm. was you know somebody having their thumb on you and it was better technology anyway. It had been proven in racing, and uh, as so many things have. Right. And, uh, you know, we made the changes, and we've got cleaner vehicles. So Yes, we do. Uh, I just think uh, I just think they're kind of short-sighted on some of this stuff sometimes. Jalopnik. You ever go to Jalopnik All and check the out the things? Oh, All do you? Okay. Yeah. They have got a story on there, and obviously I can't show it to you over the microphone here, mm-hmm. but you need to go see the pictures of this. Story of a tractor trailer hauling a load of utility poles that are 50 feet long. They're concrete poles that weigh 5,400 pounds apiece. Right. The truck driver gets cut off by a vehicle, which did not stop, by the way. Mm-hmm. Got cut off by a vehicle and slams on his brakes. He skids for about 80 feet, and two of the poles come through the back of the cab. Right. And go about 30 feet in front of him and land on the road while they're still attached to the cab because there's another 20 foot of poles mm-hmm. and miss the driver. He's a one lucky driver. I might have a comment about this whenever you're ready. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about, isn't there a front on the trailers, even a flatbed trailer? Now, obviously, 10,000 pounds of concrete will go through it. At, at, what you're talking at about is a what's called in the industry a headache rack. Okay, the headache rack. And a rack. headache rack is not DOT mandated. But if you, there's a couple of things that this driver missed. The first thing is load securement. Yeah, it looks like by the picture, like they got these wooden frameworks built around the poles mm-hmm. and, and chains and chain binders to, to pull well, them down. You've got them but chained across stop, yeah. from side to side, but Nothing on loads on yeah. like that yeah. and on lumber loads, you're supposed to X cross across the front of the load mm-hmm. to keep it from happening exactly what happened there. The other thing is the headache rack should be attached either to the front of the trailer or to the back of the tractor cab mm-hmm. to prevent the load from going through the cab and possibly kill This driver was the luckiest guy in town well. that he's not dead. <laughs> uh it was and a, the other it's thing, a sleeper, so he had to change the clothes in there because I'm sure he needed it after, uh, Bud, after as a, that particular event. As a professional, 
You are supposed to anticipate all these things happening, getting cut off. Every vehicle that you come across, you have to expect it to pull out in front of you and be prepared for that. That's probably good advice for any kind of driving. Well, sure Whether you're in a truck or not. Yeah. Sure it is. I remember when I went to, speaking of Habersham, uh, I went to the fairgrounds and uh, took a motorcycle riding course because uh, I hadn't been on a motorcycle for a long time when I bought mm-hmm. my, my Honda Shadow. And uh, one of the things they said was that when you're at a traffic light, you constantly keep checking your mirrors to make sure whoever's behind you is slowing down. Right. Well, we say all our guests are special here at Bud's Garage Overdrive, but today's guests are special, special. Very special. Yes, because they help with the production of this uh, podcast, and that would be Kevin and Randy Red from Concept One Pulley Systems. Guys, welcome into Bud's Garage Overdrive. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Well, you've been on the radio with us before, and, and you've returned to the scene of the crime. Doesn't, doesn't seem to bother you all that much. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I guess, all right, I, Kevin, guess I didn't I'm, do so bad. Kevin, you're the older of the two. I am. Randy tells me he's the better looking of the two. No, sure. we'll, have that, we'll let you guys figure that out, all right? <laughs> when did the car thing start for you? Uh, well, young. Our dad, that's all he's ever done is something to do with cars you know so we started actually working in the industry in uh 1980 mm-hmm. <laughs> he had an amico service station so you know started pumping gas and washing windshields and checking oil and back you in the day when we had up. uh yeah full service yeah, yeah. full service you full did service. uh tires brakes oil changes That's all that stuff yeah and i kind of graduated you know from pumping gas to changing oil to tires and just there mm-hmm. you go so. Now, Randy, when did you come into it all? Yeah, it was about the same time. Yeah, we, I was a little younger, of course, but um, I pumped gas and changed oil, did all those same things. Now, where was this at? In Cumming. In Cumming, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> things have changed in Cumming, yeah. Georgia, have they totally not? Totally different place. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So the first time that I met your dad, Daryl, was at the Corvette restoration shop. Is that is is that? correct was it just a corvette shop yeah and what year would that have been in that would have been around probably 91 92 somewhere along in there so how did you guys make the transition from an amical gas station to doing corvettes well well corvettes were dad always loved them Mm -hmm. that was just his thing you know that he'd had you know 55s and camaros this that and the other but he just always loved vets and so you know, started in 80 in the car industry, and then we got into about probably mid-80s. He was doing pretty well. We transitioned to a Goodyear tire and service Service center, center. that's a big deal, so, yeah. So yeah. Then, then he bought his first one that I remember, uh, Corvette. And then so a few years after that, around 90, I guess, he sold that business. And that's when he went and built where we are now, built okay. the building, and we went into the Corvette restoration. And then it kind of went into... You know, all kind of Chevrolet stuff. We did Camaros and 55s, 57 Chevrolets, you know, all kind of GM stuff. Not much forward, but. Now, this this was a restoration business. Uh, Randy, nowadays, we've got a lot of resto mods out there. That that wasn't taken off back at that point in time, was it? Yeah, not near as much. Uh, we did most of ours were original, you know, just put them back original. And you might, you know, update the tires and wheels, those kind of things. But uh, didn't do the full brake packages and, you know, the LS engines, of course, we turned around at the time. Yeah, but, right, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe... You know, different engine combinations sometimes, but for the most part, it was our stuff that we did was mostly original and, you know, slight modifications. Yeah, we weren't doing things back then like chassis swaps and all of the 
where you're just basically keeping the body and everything else is like brand new. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was a totally different thing back then, which there was not a near, not as near many aftermarket parts available right. back then. Oh, sure. You yeah. didn't have the big yeah. wheel wood brakes. They were on the race cars only and, mm-hmm. you know, the high horsepower engines. Well, well you, couldn't was, get, you couldn't get wheels big enough to put the disc brakes on, on cars at that true. point in time. That's right. Yeah, maybe it was a... 17 inch wheels that started the revolution. Find to get those on, the, <laughs> right? Get those big brakes well, in there. Right, yeah. so. And I, I remember putting the first uh, tune port engine into a 57 Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. You know, so that would have been mid 90s, I guess. Now that, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, it was a big deal it then. It was, yeah. yeah. But this, this is just me. I think the tune port was one of the best looking engines mm-hmm. as far as, you know, when you opened the hood and saw that thing there and it. I still think it's a cool engine. If yeah. I was going to build another car, I'd put a tune port in it because they, they've updated the electronics and stuff in them now. Um, where were you guys? Uh, where were you guys getting the cars painted and all that stuff? Were you doing all that right on in house? We did do it in house. Did you? Okay. I didn't do it. <laughs> right, right. But but we had guys that did do paint and body that you know worked for us there. So we did. From the ground so up, from, you were full uh, service. We didn't, we didn't do upholstery, uh-huh. you know, right. but we did do pretty much anything else. So. And back in the day, working on fiberglass, I mean that you know, you, on the older Corvettes, they weren't they weren't smooth and straight to begin with. No, that's right. And uh, were you still involved when you went from the fiberglass to the composite stuff, the, the plastic, and some of the things that are out there now? Yeah, you know, a lot of the you know in the early seventies, I guess it was seventy three, they first started putting the plastic bumpers. On the mm-hmm. Corvettes. Now, not, you know, even back in those days, and they're still not all that much popular, more popular today, um, they just weren't as sexy, I guess. So the chrome bumper stuff was always more fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Popular. So we do that. But the fiberglass, you know, yeah, we, we remember at one time we actually got docked at a car show because the the side was too smooth. You know, the doors were really? too smooth because the factory cars, they just weren't, weren't that weren't that nice <laughs> no and you take your time and you smooth them out and get them and they dock your points at a car absolutely as one of the ncrs events i believe uh back in i guess this had to be in the early 90s and the car was too it smooth was just a little too smooth it just didn't quite fit the factory profile which oh. none of them did i don't understand why <laughs> they made right. that maybe they didn't have anything else to pick on i don't what know was <laughs> there i didn't know they had a profile because everyone was different you know, as far as what they look like when you look down the side of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, well, the, maybe that was the the deal. This one was straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. Uh, well, right. You know, the, the guys at GM couldn't get that right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they were spraying them back then, I think, the, with a chopper gun, uh, you know, just putting them in a mold at that point in time. So, gosh, however, so. you know, whatever temperature it was or whatever day it was or whatever way it was leaning, is the way it turned out, I guess. That's yeah. true. I'm sure they didn't have time on that assembly line to, you know, let's, let's make this thing nice. This one's going to be a nice one, you know. So they just put them all together and send them on down the line. So you're working with Dad. All right, we understand that, father, son, you're working with Dad, and you get a little bit older. When, was there any point in time where you, where you considered doing anything else other than cars? Yeah, I, I would say... Well, Randy went to college to um, Southern Tech. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, yeah. The last uh, in '89 is when I graduated from high school, and that's uh, right as I went off to college. That's, that's when Dad sold the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that was the Goodyear business. And so, yeah, I'd go into college, and I had you know my eyes on an engineering degree, so I had my eyes on something automotive. You wanted to do automotive engineering, right? Yeah, I really wanted to work at GM. I wanted to you know, build Corvettes and, and cool. Camaros and those kind of things, the hot rods. Because you know, growing up in the '80s. These cars weren't exactly hot rods. We didn't have the the muscle cars that the oh gosh, you were the, the guys, 150 horsepower so. Corvettes. <laughs> now you right. can get a you can get a Subaru that's got more horsepower that's than right. that. Yep. 
So what you were taking mechanical engineering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did mechanical engineering down at Southern Tech, where uh, our buddy Tim McDonald yeah, right. uh, went down there also. But yeah, I, I spent several years down there, and that's along the line. I you know I always knew it had to be automotive of some sort. I wanted to be in the automotive. So did you industry, finish so. and, and decide that? Did you apply to GM or anything after? Uh, I actually sent in a resume at one time, and then you know, kind of right after that, it just kind of started moving in place where we. You know, we just started coming together and thinking, you know, Kevin and Tim actually were working together some and uh, had decided that they wanted to start making a few parts and trying to sell them and those kind of things. Uh, so, so let me back up. So. Tim McDonald's been on the podcast. He's now the president of Lanier Technical mm-hmm. College. But at the time, he was a machine tool instructor. Mm-hmm. He, yep. he, he taught me at Lanier Tech. So I went to Lanier Tech. You went to the tech school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I met Tim. And yeah, when he had some free time or whatnot, you know, he would come over and we'd we'd piddle and whittle and <laughs> piddle and whittle make, and make, make uh you know just coming up with ideas and making stuff and then and this is why you were still restoring corvettes this is i guess about the beginning of that yeah because i'd gone off to college and uh they'd started the business up there on 400 and we had you know every time you know I'd come home from college and work there in the summers but uh right yeah the restoration business started about the time i left so. and then you went right Kevin, you went right to yeah, Lanier Technical College. It was a few years. I worked doing restoration and stuff for a few years with mm-hmm. Dad. And then uh, kind of had some ideas. Had one uh, idea that we uh, ended up um, being able to make them and sell them, a, a wheel adapter. And that got me interested in, well, how do you make these things? Because I was having to get them made. Sure. So that's when I decided to go to Lanier Tech and uh, learn how to do machining. And then so I met Tim and, you know, we kind of progress from there so. well you also progressed from the machines i mean what they had at linear tech to what they have at linear tech now is very different oh yeah and yeah. what you have in your shop is very different than what you learned so tell me a little bit about the learning experience at at linear tech when you were making something is it's not simple but something like a you know a wheel adapter yeah um they did have some cnc but uh, the way the program worked we started out doing uh, machining on manual Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to learn what X and Y is and, you know, how you turn this or how you hold a part or whatever. So so uh, start out there and then we kind of progressed into CNC, which, like you say, that's been a long time. So they've they've updated quite mm, a bit yeah. from there. But uh, but, I, you know, that's how, how I learned how to make parts. And then we had more and more ideas. And then we ended up um, working with a fella. Uh, we kind of did the engineering and manufacturing of some racing components and uh, parts so we made those for several years but we always had our eye on doing our own product line and uh we kind of come up we had gotten into making racing pulleys and stuff like that so we kind of knew it but then in the restoration um industry you could buy pulleys or you could buy brackets but you could not buy a system Mm-hmm. You know, everything made together. So everything was piecemeal and you had to shim and grind and make it. You had to make it work. So we came up with the idea of why don't we build a complete pulley system? And I believe we're the first ones that did that, uh, that you could buy a whole kit and it was made to fit this engine and it bolts up and lines up and fits. And that's kind of how we got started. We went full time into that in 2001. So, so you've got Randy doing the, the engineering. engineering. And you knowing how to machine it, mm-hmm. combine the two together, and you no longer you took you took you took that part of the restoration away from some of the builds you were doing because I w- I would think that you know I'm looking back on the early vets and stuff you know they just had 
angle iron brackets and just flat steel brackets. Nothing stayed in place. Like you say, you, you know, your stuff is rigid. So how did you had to take specific engines and measure every nth of that engine, every nth degree of that engine. How, how did you accomplish that? We didn't have all the laser stuff and everything we've got now. Yeah, back then it was, you know, a set of calipers and a straight edge, and you measure, and, you know, we, we actually would try to do two or three engines mm-hmm. just to kind of get an average, and you'd be surprised how they can vary. <laughs> was, oh, yeah. It's quite yeah. a bit there a lot of times. Uh, so, yeah, we, we just measured those things out with rudimentary tools and, you know, plug that in the computer and try to make a drawing out of it. We, that's how we make our models. You know, nowadays you can take a laser and scan this thing in, and right, uh, which yeah. we actually have access to uh, some of the GM files and forward files that we can get straight from them, uh, which huge time saver. Oh, you sure. Know they're all yeah. accurate and they're already in the 3D format, so I can just plug them in and then start building around it. But yeah, back in those days, you just measured and measured again, and something didn't fit, you'll measure and see what you missed the first time. So <laughs> they make it sound simple. Yeah, it's don't amazing they? to me. So. <laughs> Does it matter what car you're putting that system in, the space that you have for everything to fit? Does that come into the formula at all? Yeah, that's that's a big part of it, actually. And, you know, our earliest systems, um, we, we'd actually bring a car in a lot of times. And that was one of our gauges was a 69 Corvette because we had one sitting there. Uh, make sure it fit in that because it was a real tight engine mm-hmm. compartment. And So if it know, fit in there, it should fit in something else. Fit most other things, you know. And then yeah. you would get that sort of, of course, a wider um, hood area there you'd have some street rod stuff that you had to compact it up a little bit and right. go up instead of out uh, but then later on they came out with this new uh, new then uh, sd7 smaller sand and compressor mm-hmm. which uh, that was the first time everybody was able to let's bring these things in and get them within the envelope of the engine now we can you know kind of have one kit that fits all of it where before we kind of had three different kits one for a muscle car style one for a street rod that kind of thing that you know, a little different configuration, mm-hmm. but the the smaller compressor and then you know the smaller power steering pumps allowed us to bring everything within the envelope of the engine. And at that point, you know, you can make it fit a lot more cars. Oh yeah. yeah well, those those old compressors, Kevin, they they had pistons in them. I mean, they had a swash plate, and they were is right. that what they call it? A swash plate it mm-hmm. went around at an angle and actually made the, yeah. the yeah. pistons go up and down. Yeah. So that thing was really big and clumsy. Yeah. And then the Ford compressors looked like. They were huge. I've always compared that to a little Briggs and Stratton. That's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> now Dodge has gone back to that with an electric uh, version of. Uh, oh, uh, they're hybrid systems. Yeah, they're 75 horsepower starter alternator mm, thing. Right. So. Oh, wow. Right. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's. Uh, it's the stuff that comes around with this electric stuff is just, just crazy from week to week. So when you when you were. Putting these together, and you started with the Corvettes, and you, I'm sure some people brought their street rods in and said, hey, we need to fit this in here and, mm-hmm. and all that. And every once in a while when I'm over at your place loitering, I do a lot of loitering, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, I see stuff with blowers, I mean big blowers and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you still have some guys that are coming by from the industry that, that are looking for specific combinations that maybe not are catalog things? Yeah, we try. We have, especially with the LS. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, that's our biggest thing. Uh, we do a lot of LS superchargers, and we've we've built a system now. We call it a Max 10R. It has a dedicated 10 rib to the blower, and then you have an 8 rib that drives all the accessories. Yeah, we were talking and, about uh, that uh, last week on the podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a cool system. So, so uh, we've been able to fit that one with the probably 80 percent of the system will work with any of them and then there's just a few changes that we make per blower you know so we can probably fit um six or eight 
I guess, different ones, something like that, you know. So we, we've, we've, we've been able to fit a lot of them. Now, we don't try to do every one, but if it's something that somebody comes and say, hey, I've got this one and it's, it's in the family and we can make some, we call them simple changes, right. you know, maybe a pulley offset or something like that, we'll try to accommodate them. But, you know, it just kind of depends, honestly. Well, I, was, I, was, uh, I put one of your systems on a, uh, a 73 Mach 1. Mm-hmm. And I learned from the radiator shop that the original fan and shroud would would flow a ton of air compared to some of the electric fans. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you know, you guys changed that around so I could still use the fan because it wasn't a clutch fan. Right. So, but that was a simple change. Right. So we're always stressing when we're talking about you guys on the podcast that hey, you can you can call up and talk to the guy that's at the CNC machine. And how how often does that happen? Yeah, it's it's fairly frequent you know um we can't create a whole system for some something that we don't have anything but if it's within we have a system for it and there's some like you say simple modifications and you want to run a mechanical fan as opposed to um you know electric or uh like some of the you may have a different blower you may have a uh, wouldn't need a higher amperage alternator you know there's things like that that we we have options for that we can we can do and make some some changes now yeah. I, I understand the alternators and the air conditioning changes where where do you get into the power steering pumps and the pressure changes and things like that where do guys get that information from what are the, you know how does that enter into it i don't even understand that yeah we, we try to get them you know depending on what gear they're using or rack it happens to be uh you know if it's a factory thing we pretty much know the pressures what pressures and flow rates okay those things need to be at uh but there's a lot of aftermarket stuff out there so a lot of times we just have them call them you know call them up and say for whatever reason it's sometimes hard to get them out of these manufacturers oh uh, yeah, yeah they don't want you putting too much pressure on their system but they don't want you to tell you, don't want to tell you what it is uh-huh. <laughs> so right. but anyway they would give us that information sometime and we can uh we'll adjust those pumps to try to fit that and that's something that we've always tried to do because you know you can do a one size fits all on it and it'll work for 95 percent of the stuff and it might be a little too much pressure and it's okay it might leak a little bit but we don't want to do that we want to try to customize it as close as we can to what the guy actually has it'll drive better and feel better we typically try to uh, lower flow rates a little bit too because some of the early 80s and uh, 70s 80s and 90s steering could be a little little easy you know a mm-hmm. little, little less than what people are used to now it's like the car uh, was steering you right absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like i guess when they came out with power steering they thought you know we just want real power steering and that's that's it we don't want you to feel the road anymore but uh, right we always back that off a little bit try to get a little more feel in the steering wheel for those guys. Oh, that's so amazing. That, that's kind of how we started deciding we can adjust these things and get them where we want them because we were trying to really get more feel at the wheel rather than, mm-hmm. than uh, extra power steering that the cars came with. Did you did you guys feel like the uh, GM cars always had a little bit better uh, road feel than the Ford products? If you think about the you know the LTDs in the mid-70s mm-hmm. and those big cars and how I'm they just floated about, down the road. And even uh, now, I mean, the, the Ford vans, the, the, I mean, it's like really dead no feedback at all yeah you're just hanging on and pointing it you got to keep your eye on the road that's it it just kind of follows the road and you just kind of swing your arms with it yeah 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 we definitely the fords always seem to be a little more like that the gm stuff i don't know for whatever reason you could manipulate it just a little bit more and, mm. and get more, more i just always felt like they had a little bit better feedback and road feel right mm-hmm. That, do you do you think it had anything to do with the fact that ford went to some of these systems that were they were hanging a uh, servo underneath the the car it looked like a shock absorber and it would, that was actually steering the car and you had everything was going every direction how how do you keep track of that or could you well yeah we can uh we can make them a little better i mean they're they're only going to get so 
so good. <laughs> you know, mm. even actually, uh, you know, the Tri Fives use that same type system. Did they really? Chevrolet okay. and, and the Corvettes used them up until eighty three, eighty four, eighty four yeah. when really? they come out with a new one. When they come out with a rack, so yeah, we're pretty familiar with that. Pressure and flow rate definitely affects how those things feel. One thing on the like the flow rate thing is where we found that and pressure. We figured out to lower the pressure on these Ford racks. So somebody'd have a most all of us use a GM style pump. Right. And they're set toward GM style racks and right, steering sure. gears. Yeah. So but then a lot of people, you know, when they went to the street rod stuff, started doing the front ends and all, so they went to a Mustang two mm-hmm. rack. Well, it it likes a like eight to nine hundred PSI where these pumps are thirteen to fourteen hundred. So, man, people would complain they're so sensitive. Sure, man, they would be. That's where we started really playing with the pressure side of it. We kind of learned the the flow rate part from the race cars. And then we started dealing with the pressure of it. We figured out we could lower the pressure and keep a low flow flow rate, and then we could give it a a, a much better road feel. Now, you've mentioned race cars several times. Who who were some of the local racers that you, you know, were coming, coming, hanging out at the shop and helping you with some of this stuff? Yeah, most we were kind of doing the manufacturing and design for a for another guy, mm-hmm. and he's the one that I guess had direct relationship with most of the racers. Okay, so so we didn't really do didn't too have, much. Didn't have any in the shop there that we messed yeah. with that we knew of. Now we did get to go to uh, uh, was it Charlotte for the All Star Race yeah. up there one year yeah. uh, with some some guys that that uh, was Mark Thompson uh-huh. in his race car. Mm-hmm. We went up there with those guys and uh, did some a little bit experimental things mm-hmm. on, the, on that car and with the power steering but uh, I, I can see it in his eyes he can tell us but he'd have to kill us yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because we were we had tried some things on their car and they went out and they actually won their i think it was the arca race before the all-star it race it won the arca race with our our little experimental thing we were doing there and of course they looked at us and said y- y'all gonna try to take credit for this aren't you <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was way before rack and pinion <clears throat> Yeah, that was that was uh, early yeah. mid nineties, I guess mid nineties, yeah, I guess. Probably. Yeah, and that was uh, you know they were still running the steering gear on the race car, but oh, yeah. we were just that's when we were playing for some of that stuff. You know, changing the ratios on the how fast the pump turned and things like that, so that um, just trying to basically save horsepower and and provide the enough fuel to get the job done on the track. Put the horsepower to the wheels mm-hmm. instead of the the wheel. Right. right. Yeah. Right. That, right. That makes sense. As you were doing all of this. Did, was there ever a time when you either of you thought of doing something else? I really didn't. Just I knew I took wanted off. to be in the automotive industry. I didn't know exactly what. You didn't do any what. other jobs or anything other than working for your dad? I, I did have a job at an ice company once. That was the coolest job I ever had, I guess. <laughs> coolest <laughs> job. <laughs> at the ice company. Uh, he'll fit right in. Oh, he fits wow. right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And I worked my way through college actually at a book warehouse. There was there were no automotive places right there near the school. No, that no, I could, not there. there that yeah. I could do, you know, uh, you know, just take a class, go work for a little while, take a class. So I just worked in a, in a warehouse for a while, which, uh, you know, we, we ship a lot of stuff now. I, I, I kind of know how because of that a little bit. So That's everything sure. everything just always adds up. But mm-hmm. uh, it worked out okay that I worked there for a little while. Kevin, what were you doing during yeah, this time? You just sticking uh, with the cars? Well, yeah, always in the cars. Dad, when he sold his business, he he negotiated a deal that I stayed there for a year. <laughs> so I worked for the fellow that you know uh, bought the business for a year. You yeah, know? but so that, I got that's some good for both of you. From, that's yeah. right. It was a good experience from working with somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. doing, seeing, looking at things a different way, and doing things. So that 
that worked out well. And then I went back to the, went to doing the restoration yeah. type stuff. And then of course we had the ideas and I, I honestly got kind of tired of working on cars. I had ideas of things to, I felt like make them better, but I didn't, I got, I kind of got tired of turning wrenches. Turning the wrenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you see, when you're a car guy and you, you, you're looking at something, I don't care whether it's a washing machine or whatever, and you look at it and you think, why did they do that? Why can't we do this? That's right. Kind of thing. That's, that's kind of the infection of it all. Mm-hmm. It, it, it that's really right. gets into you. The, as, you're doing, as you're doing the restoration and you're doing the pumps and you're, and you're doing all of this different work on, on cars, what... What things have come to you that maybe, especially with you being an engineer, Randy, what, uh, you know, you're both engineers. You know, the, the guy that's trying to figure out an exhaust system on a car in his garage and is cutting angles on pipes, as far as I'm concerned, is engineering. It's kind of, you know, a different kind of, than computer engineering. I wouldn't know what to do with a, an engineering computer, but, you know, I can sure copy something <laughs> together and then improve on it what are what are some things that you see in the industry both of you that you know could you could improve upon with with just the design of the new cars and how they're how they're driving systems because now you've got engines in cars sideways and and you know we've got all-wheel drive and we've got electronics coming into it what are some things that that have crossed your mind yeah well i guess the biggest thing i've noticed about a lot of the new cars is power steering pumps are pretty much not existent yeah. anymore yeah they're basically going to electric steering mm-hmm. which we see that coming in our industry a little bit too because uh we're selling selling more kits without power steering we, we've always offered that as an option you could you know a lot of guys just wanted manual steering right. well, at this point they won't you know they've got they've got electric power steering so they don't need a power steering pump but uh you know just things like that i don't know there's uh so much new you know, everything's electronic now. That's that's the oh, yeah. big difference. And that's, I kind of hate to see that a little bit because I love the mechanical side of all this, mm-hmm. you know, the mecha- how the mechanical parts work. Right. And electronic stuff, of course, you can just have, we're able to get some of this crazy horsepower at now with these mm-hmm. tuned engines and things like that. Sure, yeah. Um, but it, it does, I don't know, the good part is, is, you know, you tune a good engine because it's sitting there with a big blower on it. And <laughs> it's got a lot of power because of that, not just because of the tune, you know, so that part. That like the, and that's what we've seen probably in the last few years is this supercharging revolution. I mean, the superchargers, the engines can take it nowadays, mm-hmm. and uh, the superchargers are plentiful. There's a lot of different aftermarket guys, and of course, the factory stuff. That was one, of, I guess, one of the best things that I think GM and Ford started doing was supercharging these Mustangs and Corvettes and Camaros, even the Cadillacs. So yeah, right. that yeah. that added a lot, I think, to the to the well, at least the aftermarket side of it. On our end, we see it a lot because see, guys see that and say. You know, there's another couple of hundred horsepower just built that thing on the top. So that, that part I love. That part has been good. What do you think about, do you think we're going to see, uh, we're, we're seeing turbos that are electronically controlled. Do you think we're going to see superchargers and things like that, that instead of being belt-driven, they go to uh, an electric motor of some sort? Or I don't know. I'd, I'd, it'd be hard because it takes so much power to, to drive run that blower. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I'd. I don't know. It may maybe in the future, you know, it seems like to me they're trying to drive us toward electric vehicles anyway. So I kind of doubt we'd see that. Um, Whoa, that's uh, true. You know, but um, but 
you know, I'm, I'm like Randy. I'm just kind of more of a mechanical guy. And if there's anything I see on them is they ought to think about having to work on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the midst of their in engineering the, and in design. The in the chassis, yeah. Before you put it in the chassis, uh, you should have to fix a few it, things. That's exactly yeah. right. right. Yeah, that's probably my biggest uh, oh, argument. Absolutely. You know? Well, you, you bring that up. You you know, you guys are, are, you know, do plumbing and things like that on these engines or have that available to help people out get the the power steering plumbed and, and you know the anything that has fluid in it right what, what have you ever offered any of this stuff to a manufacturer and said or to the you know like gm or ford and said hey this is this is a dumb way of doing it why don't you do it our way and we'll patent it and you know we'll we'll all become zillionaires <laughs> yeah no i we've never tried that i don't i don't think you could get time of day honestly but <laughs> Yeah. Like they, they they make changes and they never call me. They don't, they don't, they don't really care what I think about it. So. You too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they never give you a call. We, we are blessed to be able to get a lot of the information from them, mm-hmm. but it, it does. It's not really a two way street. They're not they're not giving you information, asking you for your input. They're just giving you information so you'll quit asking for information, yeah. probably. So, <laughs> which is helpful. It I is mean, very helpful. You know, it's, yeah, it's helpful well, to be able to have the, access to. Yeah, but it, I think it's a benefit for them too. You know, yeah, so. get you out of their hair, but That's you right. know. Do you do you get frustrated with well uh, that's probably the wrong word to use um, customers customers that are building their own stuff or have their own shops and stuff like that how do those discussions go as opposed to people that that understand the engineering and all the time that goes into this you know you got some guys that why well, just want to do this why can't I just do this how do, how do you deal with because you're, you're dealing with do-it-yourselfers, and you're dealing with pro racers. I know mm-hmm. that, and, mm-hmm. boy, that's a wide a wide gap sometimes. It is. Um, most of the time, I think you just kind of have to, I do, just slow down and explain it to them. So, you know, it's not as easy as right. it sounds. And, and it's not as easy as some of the TV shows make it look. Mm-hmm. No. You can't just <laughs> go in there and, you know, hit two buttons, send it to a machine, and it just makes it. You know, there's a lot of work. Uh, that goes into not to mention once you've got a drawing i mean there's hours if you have a part in your hand to draw it yeah yeah you know and then you've got to figure out how to hold it so there's mm-hmm. fixtures and then you have programs and then you run some and you you know you always have to make adjustments and there's thrown away parts and you know so there's a a, a big process there that and once you kind of explain that to them and uh you know my country boy thing i just say you know Usually the way this works is I'm going to charge you way more than you want to pay, and I still lost my tail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, so nobody won here. Yeah, so right. I just learned to stay away from it, you know. Yeah. What are some things that you're looking forward to or looking towards for the future of uh, systems that you're building right now? Because you're, right now you're pretty much Ford and Chevrolet, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, has, has the Mopar stuff tickled your fancy at all because they're the only ones out there that are you know making crazy horsepower Mm -hmm. from the well i guess everybody's making more than we expected from the factory but they're not shy about it yeah i would love to there's there's several new engines out that i would love to work on it's really for us now it has gotten to be a time issue you know just Mm -hmm. running a business and trying to keep employees and um you know sales and computers and everything working like it's supposed to that it's just really cut into our time of having fun with the design <laughs> side you, of it when you yeah. started all this did you ever think that it was going to be that way i always pictured myself as doing the creative work and now 
who's got time because it takes all your time just to, just to keep the wheels turning round and round. That is that it just takes so much time to mm-hmm. just to keep everything going that uh, I, I just I miss it too. I mean, there's there's times I'll go in there and I'll just crank up the CAD system and just play around just a little bit, just yeah. play with something I've already got or a little idea I've had. Just mind, try to yeah. just some, so I can get something on the screen mm-hmm. so that I can later on, if I get a chance, I'll try to come back to it and, and keep building on it. Um, but yeah, that's that's just the main thing. If I can find more time, which I've been trying to lately, I've been trying to get things running like they're supposed to and try to keep parts on the machines. But at this point, I would love to get back in there and several of those, those new Hemi engines. There's, of course, always the old stuff I'd love to go at too, but uh, right. it's the new stuff that people tend to want to because you can supercharge it. And mm-hmm. you can, you know, this you can get some real power out amazing of it. horsepower numbers, absolutely. So we want, definitely want to be a part of that. Yeah. What are some of the biggest numbers you've seen out of the LS and LT stuff? Um, well, our dad has a 69 Camaro, and um, it just has a, you know, junkyard, I guess not a junkyard, donor car, I guess, uh, LS3 in it. And had a good friend of ours do some work on the engine, just mild stuff, you know, new bolts, that's kind of that kind of thing. Uh, put a supercharger on it, and that thing dyno at 869, 870 horsepower, somewhere thereabouts. You know, that's, wow. that's stuff that we never dreamed about as a kid. 400 horsepower was a race car. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when that, you know, when we saw that, I just couldn't believe. I mean, this, and this engine holds, holds up to it. And this is, like I say, it's pretty well And it stays well together. Stocked. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, we ended up detuning that thing just a little bit. That's, and it's, it's still a scary car, but we, you know, a little less boost, a little less power here and there. And uh, it's still just a, you know, people don't realize what a 800 horsepower car feels like no under you. no and, and how how dangerous it is one one second too long one half a second too long on the accelerator you know well you can see it on videos all day long though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. for sure yeah. but you're you're yeah. right you know because you, you read the magazines that i read and and the, all the industry news and stuff like that you know a thousand horsepower corvettes coming out mm-hmm. yeah well you know who's buying corvettes for the most part is yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, folks are that maybe that have the the income to do that, and maybe not all the other things that need to be paid for anymore because the mortgage is gone and right. all that. And they say, "Well, I'm going to go out and buy a, a new Corvette." Well, you're you know you're 65, 70 years old, or you, you know, and you're getting in a car with a thousand horsepower. Right, reflexes yeah. are not what they used to be. No. <laughs> right. Nor is your eyesight or your back. <laughs> you know, just getting in and out of one. Talking about horsepower, we 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 commonly hear customers with. Well over a thousand horsepower. Oh yeah. We worked on a project. It ended up going in a, uh, I believe it's in a uh, like a Baja top mm-hmm. truck, but it yeah, was trophy truck. It was a, yeah trophy truck. Deal. It was a, um, it's twelve hundred horsepower and it's made to run thousand miles for hours, just hard as they can go, you know. So with a thousand horsepower, twelve hundred and fifty. Wow. And and he had it kind of, so in other words, that thing could have made fifteen or more. But he had it he was on the basically do detuned down to twelve fifty, so it would last from now on, and not have to worry about it. You know, and they put thousands of miles on it, so pretty amazing. What is uh, what is some of the craziest stuff you've seen aside from your dad's car now? And I, I got some questions I want to ask you about your dad. But what's the craziest stuff you see people driving on the street on a daily basis? I know you got to hear some stories. We don't have to name names. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. There's a lot of cars out there that just have massive amounts of power. You know, uh, I did hear of a guy one time. He he had a, I think it's a Tri-5. Um, had it, just had it built. Went to pick the thing up, and the guy that built it wanted to 
take him for a ride in that thing. I think it's one of those thousand horsepower deals, and uh, they totaled that thing. I oh mean, no! Rolled it, threw him out the back door, back glass. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I oh. mean, it's a wonder he's alive. Wow! Uh, so, so there's some crazy stuff happens out oh, there with those yeah. things that you just you just don't know. You know, I know the first time I drove that Camaro, I'd never driven anything like that, and it it blew my mind. Yeah, and it's. You know, eight hundred and something, not not a thousand or twelve hundred mm-hmm. or whatever. I've heard of two thousand horsepower LSs with twin turbos and stuff. So, wow. And there's several several friends of ours around the coming area there that, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that thousand horsepower number has just gotten so easy to get to. Yeah. There's several of them that have that, and you know, in, in pickup trucks. I know one guy's got one in a pickup truck, mm-hmm. and you're thinking. That's you know that's that's the kind of thing that didn't get any traction to start with. So this thing, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, let's put a thousand horsepower. Right, yeah, exactly. That makes yeah. good sense. Yeah, so it's uh, you know it's amazing that they build beautiful cars. There's some top notch, oh, top yeah. quality stuff being built these days. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that, in the neighborhood, that, yeah, around here, that's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Some yeah. really nice stuff. Um, have you have you run across Gary Grimes, Warren Johnson, people like that, and and done some stuff with them? Yeah, yeah, Gary. In fact, he's the one that. We worked with to build the Baja, uh, okay. the, the trophy truck yep. deal on there. And yeah, he tells us all the time about some stories he has with uh, uh, just these power things. In fact, he had one. Uh, we had to build a special pulley for him because he had a he had a customer in the in the shop wanted to come see the dyno run on his engine, mm-hmm. and Gary just you know he, the guy wanted 800 horsepower, so Gary built his engine and we ran it with our normal size pulley on there, and he was. 11, 1200 horsepower. He's like, I don't want this guy to see that. He don't. He didn't even want that. Uh, anyway, so we made him a bigger pulley, and he was able to detune it enough. And I think he said he did the dyno run with you know, zero timing, and right. he, he got the guy like an 850 number, and he was tickled to death. He had no idea that this engine what it could do. was a you know 11, 1200 horsepower engine. Well, wow. yeah, but that's you know. Gary's going to be on the podcast here, and I'm no, I know he's really? got. I know he's got some stories. Oh, yes, yeah. He, he and his dad. He tells a lot of stories about oh, his yeah. dad. You oh know, yeah, so. yeah. What are some stories you want to tell about your dad? Is, is, <laughs> is he just does he just grin and, and chuckle a lot when you guys are tearing your hair out at the business? Oh yeah, probably. He just doesn't show it much. He probably goes out to his shop and does it. So. <laughs> yeah. was, was he hard to work for? Growing up, no, Dad's laid back. He's yeah. he's 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 pretty easy to get along with. If if there was ever any trouble, it was usually my fault, you know. And uh, sometimes we'll joke, and, uh, you know, I'd get fired ever so often, and <laughs> <laughs> a week or two late, later have to come back on my knees and apologize, you know, and stuff. But but I I can't really ever fault him, you know. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I, I see where I was. I was wrong. He's he's gotten smarter as I've gotten older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's super. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how did uh, that? You bring up something interesting there because you said you worked for another guy when when your dad sold the Goodyear Center. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And you worked for the other guy for a year. Right. How was it different working for somebody that wasn't your dad and maybe wasn't as laid back and you know if you if you slept in or something like that wasn't quite as forgiving? Yeah, perhaps? it was def- definitely different you know i don't know how to explain it uh but it was definitely different just way not as patient probably uh mm-hmm. looked at things just had a totally different style mm-hmm. you know and uh and and really a, 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 an idea of how to run a business you know was a lot different so so i, th- I still say it was a good experience but it was definitely different it, it wasn't exactly uh I didn't like it as much, but it was. I wouldn't trade it. It was a good thing. So. Yeah, well, you know, it takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit. I would, exactly I would guess. Right. 
Employees. How many employees do you have now? What have we got? Four full-time and a couple of part-time. Yeah, it, it fluctuates between five and ten most of the time, just depending yeah. on who does the part-time <laughs> I remember stuff. asking a guy, how many, how, your, how many of your employees work for you? And he said about half of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've actually got a great crew. And yeah. most of them we've had for uh, the newest ones, what, uh, a little over a year, I guess. But the rest of them uh, have been with me with us a long time, you know. Where do they come from? Uh, right around, well, one of them lives in Gainesville. The rest of them right around Cumming and Dawsonville. Where do they learn this stuff? Uh, you, you know what? Mostly there with us, just kind of on the job training. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them have grown up with us. Yeah. Learned, learned along the way as we were learning, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Corey, our once been there the most. He came to work with us when he was, what, 18 or 19? Yeah. He's 40, yeah. 41, I think. Wow. He's, he's been with us. And he'd never, run, he'd never run a manual machine before? Mm-mm. No, and he, he kind of, you know, it's funny how you just kind of, people kind of gravitate to what they like and what they're good at. Yeah. And, um, he does really all of our packaging and type stuff like that and cleaning parts, and he does a great job of inspection. Um he just does a fantastic job. And then we've got Donnie. Uh, that's, uh, Donnie's quiet and laid back, and he kind of gravitated toward we needed somebody to do polishing. Mm-hmm. So he started learning how to do that, and now he's a master polisher, and he's happy to go out in his little building and do his thing all day. <laughs> you know, Nobody and, does it better. Yeah, and it's, it's, it works out well. Justin, uh, he's been with us two, th- three years maybe, something like that. I think so. Uh, and Justin's just a gearhead. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any, he has car experience, but he had never done any machining, and he loves twisting wrenches and stuff like that. And he just really got into that machining. He he likes to to do that type of thing, uh, set up you know, putting fixtures in, putting tools in, getting programs in machines, getting them touched off and running and stuff like that. So everybody's kind of just kind of found their own thing. Doing their own thing. Yeah, and then Rodney, he's a he's a natural sales guy, so. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he likes to talk, so that, that works for him, you know. <laughs> well, you, you got to have a little bit of all of it to make it. That's exactly right. Know, yeah, it it yeah. takes a village, right? Yeah. So yes, it does. Sometimes it takes a village people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought of, now you, you, you're talking about employees, and, and the biggest thing that, you know, we hear from everywhere is trying to get employees and, and how the younger people, you know, aren't gearheads and, right. and all of that stuff. Have you ever thought about uh, expanding so you could do some of the other things you want to do? But um, does the employee vi- uh, uh, environment kind of keep you away from, from that type of stuff? We've probably not been as aggressive uh, to grow because mm-hmm. of just trying to, you know, get more and more people and having to manage that stuff. We already can't do what we like to do. Right. Yep. You know, and, right. and the more that that grows the the harder it is so we've we've probably been less aggressive than you know sometimes i wonder if we should have been but <laughs> but but it's worked for us you know yeah. so it's, it's worked for us and we've got great guys and we've had you know we've had plenty come and go sure you yeah. know but yeah. uh but it, it we kind of like what we're doing we're, we're laid back you know we don't want to stress ourselves any more than we have to sure so we kind of try to keep it that way What's next for the company, do you think? I, just more of the same. You know, going to, which my goal, of course, is to get some more parts out there. Sure. If I could do that, that would be a, a, a big thing. And that's what I always we've always talked about. Our biggest obstacle to growth is, you know, 
not having time to get more parts out there, newer stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, that's my kind of be will be my focus over the next couple of years, trying to get more of that new stuff, new product looked at. Yep. And then as we do that, of course, you know, we may we'll probably have to have some more help as we do that. Are the new products dependent upon what the manufacturers are coming out with, or you already have ideas for new products? There are enough ideas out there right now that I could work on several things. You know, some nice new engines come out. Well, obviously the Fords have a uh, the Coyote and that uh, Godzilla engine, and Chrysler still has the Hemi yep. out there. I'll, those are those are three I would love to touch on and see if we can get more. And of course, we're always with the LS. It's it's a very popular engine for us. So when new superchargers come around, we need to make you know adapt to fit whatever new superchargers is the flavor of the day out there. So <laughs> yeah, flavor of the day. What do you what do you think about the uh, the push towards electric vehicles? And this is you know kind of off. I guess it would be kind of off of subject but i'd like to get everybody's idea what what are your thoughts on we're all going to be electric in 2030 i think that's not happening mm-hmm. but what, what are your thoughts on the electric stuff because if you've driven electric electric stuff you know it certainly has the power mm-hmm. instantly yeah mm-hmm. I, for me it's i don't know uh i think it's great if people want electric cars i think they're fantastic i think they're really neat and they've got a lot of power like you're talking about um to me it's just not not my cup of tea. It's not what I'm looking for. I like to hear. I like the sound of a big engine. I like the, the rumble. I like to feel it. Um, but, I mean, by all means, if you want one, I think it's great. I, I, I do kind of draw the line at them telling me that's that's my only choice, mm-hmm. unfortunately. You know, that that's well, that, sure, yeah. that's going to hurt, you know, transportation in ways we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, but it's also going to hurt our industry. In, in my opinion, a little bit, it possibly could, or it may make it better. Who knows? People might just say, we're just going to drive the old ones. So right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'd be good for things. us. Well, you know, yeah. I, I, w- I was thinking about that when I was watching a, a, one of the various television programs, and they had, um, I think his first name is Dennis. I knew his dad who passed away, Alex, but um, the gentleman from Borla, and they have come out with a system now that makes your electric vehicle sound like a i mean it actually shifts you know changes the sound when you shift and stuff and i saw it installed on a on a mach e gt so you know there's something that who'd have thunk and all of a sudden he um you know came out with that system you thought you'd ever need something like that no right (laughs) it's a bunch of baseball cards that they put on a spoke on your spokes yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) what do you think kevin what do you think of this ev stuff i'm I'm not a fan um but I'm for free markets, you know. Yeah, if, sure. if somebody wants to build one, Elon been. Musk and makes one, and some people want to buy it, I'm all for it. I'm I'm not at all for the uh, mandating going yeah, in well, that we direction. Can't, we can't all have them no, at the same just, time, no, just, exactly right. because well, of obvious reasons. And and the climate thing is 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 not true either. If you look at the pollution that it causes to create the batteries and mine the mm-hmm. the, the lithium and the, all these things that go into those batteries there's no savings you know right. so so in my mind it's a farce but i'm fine with it as far as long as it's uh, uh free markets and people want to buy it help yourself you know mm-hmm. me personally i'll try to keep my old stuff running amen <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I'm thinking you better keep something that's got points in it. Just in case. <laughs> yes. That's right. right. That's right. Um, you can always file them things one more time. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you bring up something, though, that it's, you know, it's free enterprise. Well, it hasn't mm-hmm. been free enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how much money is the government throwing into your business? Yeah, not a bit. Right. Not a yeah. bit. Matter yeah. of fact, they're always hitting us up for more. For more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's the fact of it is yeah. that that more is going to help 
build uh, electric vehicles, which you're not interested right. in. Right. That's right. So it's, it's kind of a kind of a weird dichotomy. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Any questions? You know, now that you're now that you're part of the, the crime here uh, and you're at the scene, like I said, any questions we didn't ask you? Uh, some things that you would like people to know about Concept One. I don't know. There's a, uh, you know, I just want to thank our mom and dad. They've been very helpful sure. along the way, helping yeah. us get where we are. And I don't know right. if they caused this disease or if they just supported <laughs> right. it. But yeah, either I way, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's worked out. But we appreciate them and all of our all of our customers. You know, yeah. we we have. Hundreds of great ones, thousands of great ones, you know, and some guys we talk to on a regular basis that are still in this industry and still helping support it and still making it work. So uh, we enjoy working with those guys and, and are, are glad to glad to be of service to them. Well, we, uh, your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, well, you know, kind of the same stuff. We're, we're, we're excited about what you're doing. I know you're mm-hmm. passionate about this stuff, you know, and well, get, getting the name out there and trying to keep the hobby right. moving and yeah. stuff like that, you know, which is which is good and like Randy said, you know, dealing with the public is not easy. You know, no. But, no. But we do have a ton of really good customers and uh, great people we deal with, you know. So the vast majority are are, are great. So that, that that's a good good thing. Yeah, well, you know, with, the, with all the digital stuff we got out there, everybody's got an opinion. That's right. And you have mm. to consider, you know, where the opinion's coming from. And, that's right. Um, the folks that have been doing this for a long time, like your, yourselves and, you know, us knuckle-draggers, and, you know. We we you just got to move on. Yeah, so. yeah, right. But it's surprising to me how many young people are really have taken up the same interest that we all have, albeit with some different cars. You know, we get a lot of people in with the tuners and the uh, the BMWs, and that, you know, it's kind of crazy. You get like a fifteen year old BMW that you can buy cheap and then mm-hmm. you know lower it and do some engine mods yeah. and some put an LS in it and they make kits for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. As a matter of fact, Justin is kind of our guy that's mm-hmm. uh, he he you know, he grew up with a he likes the Japanese cars, you mm-hmm. know. So but uh, he's loving what we, we do and uh being there but he's he's from that generation. You yeah. Know, the, Look at the power they're making stuff. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah. Well, our our youngest yeah. employee just Came out of Wyo Tech, and he's got a '67 Mustang. Yeah, right out loud. Wow, yeah awesome. he's a true gearhead, yeah. John. Yeah, yeah John. Yeah. And I went to a um, uh, cruise in the other night, and we have we sponsor a car show there in coming every year, and lots of kids there, and I love it. You know, I always, see the kids. Tra- yeah. I drag my drag my kids down there, and they enjoy coming every year. Yeah. And I'm just I'm hoping you know it'll yeah it'll catch on with them guys too. So right. You going to the, the night cruise at the varsity? Um, we went last week. That's they where I was that. last week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If I can make it there today, I didn't bring a car to work today to take over there. But Dad's always got a few. Just just go pick one. You yeah, know, just so. go pick one. <laughs> <over today. laughs> Does your dad stay? Uh, is is he as active? Well, he's he's obviously got his shop out behind your shop. Uh, he's still loving what he does. Absolutely, he is only happy if he's got a car out there he's working on. I mean, okay. he, he's always got one, and he'll he'll finish it up. And say, I'm done with that. I'm getting too old to mess with this stuff and next thing you know he's got another, one. another one in so yeah. it's, it's great for us we love it he's right there with us so yeah. we try to encourage that absolutely sure you know, so so it, it well guys we appreciate your partnership because what you're doing we thoroughly you know believe in and how you're doing it and uh you know to have you be part of the podcast every week um you just let us know what whatever else we can do for you and we're we're here to do it because 
you know, we are passionate about this crazy stuff, and uh, it, it means something to us, and it means to have, you know, means something to us to have friends like you and, and you know, know that we all are infected, and that's okay. And <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get by. That's right. So we yeah. want to thank you for taking the time to be with us here at Bud's Garage Overdrive, and, and hope you had a good time, and hope you come back when you get uh, some stuff for the Coyote and the what are the, what's it called the Godzilla? Yeah, what's yeah, that? A seven point three? Yeah, it's a big, but that's a, a push rod engine. Yeah, yeah big block. I mean, it's a you know brand new Ford engine, probably the first one they built in many years that didn't have overhead cams. Yeah, so that's, so. that's a, it's a great new. I, I think it's going to hit the hot rod market pretty hard. So, and I think you'll really have. Uh, of course, you'll find that you'll find the way through it, but you'll have some challenges with the Coyote because the thing is just so big on the top end. Yeah, that's I've no looked into it already some, and that's what I always run into. It's like uh, there's just nowhere to put it. You, you, you can either put an alternator on it or you can put it in your car. There's, you can't do both. So. <laughs> we have to run it's it off. Uh, we have to run it off the drive. May have, there's all, yeah. It's been done before. So. Well, the first time I saw a blower being run by a belt backwards, you know, under the under the valley on the yeah. back of the engine, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's that's wild. Yeah, somebody just again, you just have to shoehorn it in somehow. So yeah, well, yeah. we can uh, we can talk a lot and do a lot, and we will, and we'll we'll have you back. Thanks for taking the time to be with us here, Bud's Garage Overdrive. No, thank, thank you, you Bud. Like, like, right. like Kevin said, we appreciate what you're doing and getting the voice of the, of the hot rodder out there. It's a it's a great sport, great hobby for everybody to have fun with, and we appreciate you spreading the word. Well, Kevin and Randy, how can folks get a hold of you? Um, and learn more about what you guys are doing out at the shop. Yep, our website is our best place to, to do that. And, of course, you can always give us a call, but our website has pretty much everything we sell on there mm-hmm. and, you know, all the information. But, uh, obviously, if you've got something, another question, always give us a call. We'll, we'll try to answer it for you. Give us a website and the phone number. Yep, it's uh, www.c1pulleys.com. That's the letter C, number yep. one, number pulleys.com. <laughs> Good deal. Then, You're welcome yep. back anytime. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you, bud. We enjoyed it. Thank you, Tim. Sure. How about a car care tip of the week from Bud's Garage Overdrive? Here it is. This is the time of the year. You know, we've been driving all winter and, you know, haven't paid a lot of attention to the car other than getting us to and fro. Uh, Now we're going to go on vacations, things like that. You need to get to your local shop and get get your hoses checked, your fan belts, your lighting. You know, some states don't have inspections. Some states do. Uh, you know, if you don't have a, if you're not living in a state that's got inspection, uh, you have could have lights out and not even know it. So that's always a good thing is to check your lighting on your car. We're going to go through time changes and stuff here. Uh, make sure your belts and hoses are good before you head on down the road. Make sure your mechanic, whoever they may be, is uh, when they pull a wheel off, they're taking a look at everything. Uh, we've got some excellent shops here in Georgia that we recommend, but if you're if you're on the road or in another state, you know, hook up with your guy and have him, guy or gal, and have him check out what's going on with your car and use quality parts. And remember, belts and hoses aren't what they used to be. We don't have V-belts anymore. We have one big serpentine belt in a lot of cases, and it runs everything on your car, on the, on the you know, on the engine. Uh, water pump, alternator, everything. You bust that belt and you got problems right away. And hoses used to be just a simple upper hose and a lower hose. Now you got hoses that morph into heater hoses, uh, other parts of the car that got to be cool, and they've got plastic connections and stuff on them. So, you know, be aware of that uh, when you're getting your car worked on because these hoses and stuff are more expensive than they ever were, and they're hard to change. So go easy on your mechanic, but get this stuff straightened out because it'll save you a lot of trouble heading down the road. 
All right, Producer Bill, I'm going to ask you today. Do you know what a phlebotomist is? Yeah, he's a guy that gives a lot of money away. No, 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 no. That's a philanthropist. Oh, I thought he was a guy that made my drugs at the drugstore. No, <laughs> that's a pharmacist. Oh, I thought that was a guy that... Never mind, out. never <laughs> mind, never mind, never mind. I had to have some lab work done <laughs> recently uh, by a phlebotomy technician. You know, once a year I, I go get my annual checkups, and they always want labs and stuff so they can measure how much uh, blood is in my alcohol and uh, things like that. So they... Uh, I went and had a lab do it, and the person running the lab was a phlebotomist. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't give me any money. Did you collect stamps? No. <laughs> you don't get green stamps when you go to the lab. But this is a program that comes under the health care programs at Linear Technical College. And what's cool about this is these, you know, phlebotomy technicians work in, in the operating room. You know, they work in the labs. They work in the doctor's offices. And you can get into this career in just 30 weeks no two semesters of training and the job uh the job growth between now and 2026 is going to be approximately in need of 17,000 more phlebotomy technicians holy smokes yeah take care of us old folks i guess do you have to be able to pronounce phlebotomist to be in the program? i don't know i don't know it's you know when i when i taught at lanier tech we went from being a technical institute to a college in in the step of one meeting that I had to go to, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I was stuck trying to spell professor. <laughs> you know I could spell instructor. I could not figure out you know, whether how many F's and stuff there were. It was right. professor. Anyway, that's a whole side story. That sounds like a fascinating career. It is, and the technician certificate is available at four of the campuses of Lanier Technical College here in Georgia. So check that out at Lanier Technical College. Edu, LanierTech.edu. Time for thank yous here. I want to thank uh, the great folks at Year One, Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems. Brothers did a great job on their interview. And Jacobs Media, Bill Wilson, for uh, keeping all this straight. And uh, let's not forget about Bud's Garage, a radio show on WDUN, the radio station. It features local guests and their expertise. That would be uh, AM 550 and FM 102.9 and live stream and podcast. And uh, you can get it wherever you uh, listen to your podcast stuff. Next week, we're going to have a revisit with Andy and Pooja Duff from the world-famous Colorworks. Oh, yeah. Until then, keep between the ditches, shiny side up, and we'll see you next week right here, Bud's Garage Overdrive. See ya.